There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Welcome, fight fans. It's time for the main event of the week. It is episode 9 of the Fight City podcast. This is Alden Kodash, your host of the Fight City, shortly to be joined by Michael Carbert, the editor-in-chief of thefightcity.com. Great website, highly encourage you to check it out. But first, we will start off with a recap of the Super Middleweight Championship this Friday night. A great, great fight Friday night. We had WBO Super Middleweight Champion Gilberto Zerto Ramirez making the fifth defense of his title with a majority decision victory over Jesse Hart. It was a thrilling fight that exceeded the drama they provided us in the first fight last year, and Zerto overcame an injured left arm to pull out the victory against Hart. Ramirez, my opinion, was in control early. I had him winning seven out of the first eight rounds before Zerto hurt his elbow, his left elbow, in the eighth round. Hart was able to press the action from there in the latter rounds, probably won the majority of them to make the fight considerably close on the scorecards. I think it was anyone's fight on the official scorecards going into the final round, but then out of nowhere, and I emphasize out of nowhere, Zerto just charged out for the final round, had Hart on the defensive almost the whole round, even having him hurt against the ropes with a right hook, you were almost wondering whether or not Hart was going to survive the round, despite the fact that Zerto clearly hurt his left hand, his left arm rather, going into that round. Uh, Ramirez, after his victory, claimed that he wants to move up to 175 and fight Alexander Vozdik, the new WBC wide heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, but if I were him, you know, why not start off with Dimitri Bivol? Dimitri Bivol is a light heavyweight who has stated before that he would be willing to move down to 168 to make fights. He's only rehydrated six pounds in his last fight against Jean Pascal, which in this day and age is an indicator that you're not in the right weight division. <laughs> um, and also, um, he you know he's a fighter that looked a bit green in all honesty in his last two fights against Isaac Chalemba and Jean Pascal when he really stepped up in class. Um, throw in a crafty, tall southpaw like Gilberto Zerto Ramirez. And, you know, Ramirez might have a much more pleasant entry into the light heavyweight division than he would otherwise. And this is one of the most action, uh, one of the most talented loaded divisions in the sport of boxing. So Zerto better make his entry in a tactful manner and a very cautious manner if he wants to ensure longevity and his unbeaten record as he moves up in weight. But if he doesn't move up in weight, which might be increasingly difficult for him physically, he has plenty of options at 168. He can unify with David Benavidez, Calvin Smith, excuse me, Callum Smith, or maybe even take on Triple G if Triple G chooses to sign with top rank and moves up in weight. If Triple G signs with top rank, which I wouldn't advise him to do per, uh, personally, given the fact that all of the middleweight champions fight for his own, but if Triple G does fight for top rank, he's got limited opposition 
uh, for top rank that he could fight uh, at 160. He's got WBA regular champion Robert Brandt, but that doesn't really seem like the kind of name that Triple G would really be anxious to step into the ring against. So, um, in the remote possibility that Triple G signs with top rank and Zerto Ramirez decides to say 168, maybe that's a fight that we can see down the road. Doesn't matter. This is a guy that people want to see no matter what. I'm hoping him the best going forward. Expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions in the challenger? And now I'm joined by Michael Carbert, the editor-in-chief of thefightcity.com. How are you tonight, Michael? I'm doing great, Alden. How are you, and how was your trip to New York City? Yeah, this weekend was a hell of a trip. Went to the Madison Square Garden, the big arena. I've never covered a fight there before, and although they had us in the boonies, so to speak, it was still quite an experience watching a packed arena of 20,000 fill to watch Canelo and a slew of other top prospects. So uh, I take it you got a chance to watch Eve Ulysses this weekend? Yes, I was uh, uh, proud, I must say, to uh, to publish my feature interview with Eve Ulysses. Uh, he's a very uh, striking young man, an impressive young man. I, I have a lot of faith uh, in the fact that he's going to go on for to bigger and better things. And, uh, so that, uh, feature interview is on the site and I managed to get it done and, and published ahead of the, uh, 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 the event on Saturday night. And yes, I saw him perform and I thought he looked very sharp. Um, he's, he's as good as advertised. He's definitely ready in my opinion, uh, for some bigger challenges, but he's, at this point, uh, you know we can't we can't uh, pass judgment on him completely yet. He he definitely has to take on some some better fighters as he moves forward. But up to this point, uh, he's he's got it all. He's he's got the ring smarts. He's got the technique. He's got the hand and foot speed. Uh, he's a very good cu- counter puncher. Um, so I thought he performed very well. What did you think? Yeah, so Evie Lisses, he looked great. Uh, he won an eight-round unanimous decision over Max Becerra. I was impressed by just how he constantly uses lateral movement to keep his opponent guessing and, uh, and, and keep him complacent and then just set up that right hand on him in the sixth and seventh to drop him. I, I thought he, he displayed a... a a good array of skills that I wish more people had a chance to see because unfortunately this was on the Facebook card, not the main to zone card. And it was against a fighter that um, didn't attract too much attention. I think he's ready for the next step. And, you know, I think he should have taken that step up after he beat Cletus Selden on HBO last year. Uh, I thought that would have been enough given the platform and the fact that it was televised to make some noise. But unfortunately here he is fighting eight round fights in the second card to open up the garden on the other hand he did fight in the garden and he was exposed to quite a big crowd i mean nowhere near the packed audience that came in to see canelo but there were still quite a few people in the second fight yes and uh it and i agree with everything you just said but it, it does represent a step forward um because not only was it a fight in the garden um but he 
he, he rose to the occasion and he passed with flying colors. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, which was essentially to dominate. I mean, he didn't get the stoppage, but he scored two knockdowns. And reports afterwards were that he broke uh, Becerra's jaw. Hmm. And uh, as I said before, he looked very sharp. And apparently uh, Golden Boy uh, sent the message afterwards, you know, stay by the phone. Uh, stay by the phone. Um, I, I, there, Eve Ulysses did an interview with Manny Montreal right after the fight. Yep. And Ulysses... Uh, mentioned during the interview he said the word has come down from uh, golden boy stay by the phone uh because we're gonna we're gonna do something with you in the near future so that's very good news very good news. and he yes and he's fighting in a very competitive division in my opinion he should be part of that world boxing uh, super series tournament happening at 140 pounds um and so it's exciting like you know he's a montreal fighter I'm in Montreal. I cover boxing in, in the place I like to call the Fight City. And he is one of the top talents in the city right now. There's no question. Uh, he's part of the huge Eye of the Tiger uh, stable. And uh, I would say it's between him and Stephen Butler right now as to who is the premier uh, talent uh, for, that, for that company. And they are, they, of course, um, uh, they're, they're known for having David Lemieux as part of their stable, who unfortunately couldn't compete mm. uh, at, the, at Madison Square Garden because of problems with uh, weight cutting, uh, which was a disappointment. But um, I, the Tiger Management, has a huge stable. And as I say, uh, Eve Ulysses Jr., I think, is poised to, to break through and potentially become a major star. And there's so many terrific matches potentially waiting for him. And uh, as he says in the interview I did with him on the, on the website, uh, he said, you know, he doesn't have training camps. Eve Ulysses Jr. doesn't believe in training camps. Instead, he stays in condition, in top shape all year round. Uh, he told me after a fight, he takes two days off. That's it. And then he gets right back in the gym. The point being that he's ready to pick up the phone and take any fight against anyone at a moment's notice. And here's hoping he gets those calls, he gets those phone calls, and gets those big fights, those big opportunities in 2019. Yeah, I mean, let's turn the clock back to when Terrence Crawford wasn't a huge name. He was year-round in shape to fight. All of a sudden got a chance to fight um fighter by the name of Bradis Prescott. Yeah, Bradis Prescott. And he completely dominated Prescott, who was supposed to uh, be fighting, I believe, for a world title against uh, Khabib Alakvirdev, or there I might be mistaken. And all of a sudden, overnight, Terrence Crawford is a hot, hot prospect who is now years away from unifying the lightweight division, or winning the lightweight championship, and then unifying the super lightweight division. So... A similar story is not unlikely for Eve Ulysses, given the fact that he is a year-round athlete. And not only does it have its perks in terms of just having a healthier, longer career, not having to fluctuate massively up and down the scale, but he's also ready to be possibly a late replacement for a very good fighter that he has the skills possibly to upset. And that would mean uh, 
mean uh, b- very big things for his career, especially at this stage. So speaking of another year-round athlete, we also saw Tevin Farmer in the co-feature of the event defend his IBF super featherweight title against Francisco Fonseca. He is making his he made his second defense in less than two months, and now he's already, according to Eddie Hearn of Matchroom, being slated to defend his title in front of his hometown of Philadelphia in March. Hearn says the card will be announced within the next week. Um, quite an active titleist. What do you think of Tevin Farmer? Well, we've talked about him before, and uh, I'm I'm a I'm an admirer of Tevin Farmer. Um, he's shown, uh, you know, that admirable quality of being able to come back from adversity. He, he started off his career, uh, with less than auspicious results and, uh, had to suffer some defeats and get through some hard times. And now here he is, he's a world champion and he's becoming an an attraction. And one of the exciting things about Tevin Farmer is he's staying active and by active, we mean he's fighting more than two or three times a year. And, and these days in boxing, that's a rare thing, a refreshing uh, thing and, and something to admire. And, and also, uh, the word is that his next fight is going to be in his hometown of Philadelphia, uh, the city of brotherly love, which we all know is one of the great fight cities in boxing history. And that's exciting because who knows, maybe Tevin Farmer can lead a, a kind of resurgence uh, for the sweet science in Philadelphia. Absolutely. That would be an exciting development. Yeah, Philadelphia. Uh, there's, there have been. Some, Keep going, Michael. Yeah, there have been some exciting. So, yeah, sorry about that. There have been some exciting uh, fight cards recently in Philadelphia. Uh, Joshua Izzard, who, who writes for the, for the site. Uh, has covered them. We've talked about them, you and I, Alden, Alden, and and so there's 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 kind of a buzz developing right now in Philadelphia, and and it looks to me like Tevin Farmer and his people uh, are going to try and capitalize on that. Uh, you you tell me, Alden. I think you've got the inside scoop on that. Is is the next fight for Tevin Farmer scheduled? Is it set for... Uh, not yet set. Eddie Hearn, for in, Eddie Hearn in the post-fight press conference says to expect an announcement within the following week for a zone card in Philadelphia, which means great things for that city of brotherly love, as you stated. But one of the things I'd like to point out about Tevin Farmer is, think about it, how many titleists or how many fighters in, in, in general have knockouts in the single digits and have four defeats, and yet people avidly look forward to see them fight just because of how skilled they are. Tevin Farmer on paper is not the kind of person that you're going to be calling up your friends talking about. He's the kind of person that when you see him fight, that is exactly what needs to captivate you. And that's what he does. His, his defensive skills are, are, are incredible. I mean, he's uh he's a complete ring general in there. He keeps you moving. He keeps you missing. And he's developing some power, as we've seen in his knockdown of Billy Dibb and his knockout of James Tennyson in his last fight. And I think a lot of the development is going into the fact that he is now a new world champion and he has risen from relative obscurity and he's starting to inherit uh, and inhabit the role of being a world champion. He's extremely proud of it. Uh, He's so proud of it that he is uh, all of a sudden now 
over the possibility of uh, Gervonta Tank Davis match that he was so avidly looking forward to. I think this guy is settling down into his identity as one of the slickest, uh, most skilled operators in the sport. I agree. And, uh, and I like how he's handling his career. And I totally agree. He doesn't need uh, Javante Davis. Uh, he, he can. He doesn't need anyone. He's creating his own um, image, his own unique um, niche, so to speak, in the sport. And uh, he's got all the ingredients to become um, a, a huge attraction in Philadelphia. And then that's going to translate um, outside of Philadelphia and make him a major sports figure in the United States. I think, I think, uh, he just needs to keep moving forward and doing, you know, sort of bucking that trend of only fighting a couple times a year. If he can, if he can kind of, again, uh, carve kind of a unique position for himself by being that guy who's not going to fight just two or three times a year, but is going to try and fight four or five times a year. I mean, when's the last time we've seen any boxer with a world title do that? And uh, this is this was his second fight. Correct me if I'm wrong. In just two months. Two months yep. I mean, these, yeah, th- these days that's unheard of. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, it's one of those fighters that, by his scheduling, is forcing himself to be in shape year round, and it certainly shows in the quality of his performances in the ring. So, also on the undercard was a fighter that I interviewed earlier this week. That's Lamont Boogaloo Roach. Jr. out of Capitol Heights, Maryland, nine-time national amateur champion. He is improved to 17-0 as a professional with one draw with a unanimous decision victory in a 10-round fight over Alberto Mercado of Puerto Rico. Lamont Roach, he um, controlled the fight. He, he had his opponent hurt once. He boxed very... Uh, uh, he boxed in a very slick manner. He used his angles well. He went to the body, mixed it up to the head. But he needs to face better competition, and I think he's honing in on that opportunity given the fact that he is the number five ranked super featherweight in the world by the WBO. And in the Ring Magazine rankings, he's also cracked the top 10. He also has the promotional background to secure bigger fights. He is promoted by Golden Boy Promotions, and he has previously faced former title challenger Orlando Cruz in the past. Um, Your opinions of Lamont Roach, Michael? Well, I agree with you. I thought, I have to say, I mean, all things taken into account, I I thought the most, the best performances on the card were uh, Katie Taylor, uh, Lamont Roach Jr., and Eve Ulysses. I thought they gave the best performances. Now, uh, right away, you have to qualify that by, you know, asking the question whether they face the stiffest opposition. But you know what? They face stiffer, stiffer opposition than Canelo Alvarez. So, um, yeah, I think Lamont Roach Jr. looked good. I thought he looked versatile. He looked confident. Uh, he looked sure of himself. Like you know, he, he's the complete package, and 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 um, he looked very sharp uh, to me. So I, I, th- I see nothing but good things for him moving forward as well. Certainly, he's going to be looking forward to bigger and better things. He stated in the interview that he wants a title shot in 2019. We'll see if Golden Boy Promotions can make that happen for him. Speaking of a fighter who Golden Boy Promotions is trying to get into title contention in 2019, we also saw Ryan Kingry Garcia, the 20-year-old amateur standout, 
improve his unbeaten record with a fifth-round knockout over Braulio Rodriguez. Braulio Rodriguez was completely overmatched, but he did allow Ryan Garcia to restart his knockout streak that really made a name for himself. We're talking about a guy that has height, has reach, and was just laying out opponents, making highlight reel knockouts before he went the distance twice, one of them against Jason Velez earlier this year, a fight that he really struggled against. Uh, what What is your take on Ryan Garcia? What did you make of his performance Saturday? Well, I think, um, you know, it was more or less what we expected from Ryan Garcia. And uh, he's a young, developing prospect. Um, and, and at this point, there's no reason to not expect him to, to, uh, to develop, uh, to progress. But it's hard to say uh, at this point, you know, what you know, how much to expect long-term. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on this kid. And um, uh, I think you were telling me about how in the post-fight press conference that you were at, uh, Oscar De La Hoya was talking about a title shot, a a title fight for Ryan Garcia in the very near future. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and, and so it raises the question of, you know, I'm not sure that that's the way to be thinking about Ryan Garcia at this point in time. I, I think um, they got to be careful they don't ruin him uh, because, he, as I said, he's under a lot of pressure. He's already a big star. He's already a big draw. Um, but all that uh, taken into account, you also have to recognize the fact that he's still developing um, as a boxer. And so you've got to be careful about how you handle him. Uh, you've got to be careful about how often, uh, you know, you, you want to keep him active and you want to help him develop and you want to put him in the ring with the right opponents and let him develop naturally. But that's hard to do when he's become already become a name uh, in the sport and, an, and, a, and a major attraction. So there will be pressure, I guess, uh, in the very near future for him to win a world title. Whereas I'm not sure that that's really, um, at this point in time, the way you want the people around him to be thinking. Um, So hopefully he fulfills all the expectations and becomes um, a major star. That would be great for the sport. But um, I'm a bit apprehensive about how his career is being handled at this point. Yeah, you got... De La Hoyas claiming that he wants him to fight for a title in 2019 and uh, Ryan Garcia insisting that he can't make 130, implying that at 135 that would be his title fight opportunity. Obviously, that's all fiction. I could name two lightweight prospects off the top of my head that are far more deserving of bigger and better fights than he is, Teofimo Lopez being one of them, in addition to... um, Name escapes me right now. From Philadelphia, his name is Devin Haney. Uh, Both very sharp prospects. uh, In my opinion, a little more talented than Garcia or just have exhibited more skill at this stage in his career. Uh, But I think Golden Boy is doing the right thing by putting a new trainer in front of him. They've just had Eddie Reynoso take the place of his former trainer. Eddie Reynoso is the trainer of Canelo Alvarez and hopefully could instill some maturity in young Ryan Garcia, you know, a guy who's still quite outspoken about his presence on Instagram, <laughs> his, uh, his plethora of followers. Uh, but in addition to him just being a kid, he also has some serious 
technical shortcomings that he needs to work on. He needs to be able to use his height better. He's a tall fighter for 135. He's a very tall fighter for 130. And he's a fighter that can't control the fight with his jab yet. He still relies on his uh, combination punching and getting in close and giving up his height to score. But if he wants to make the most of his natural frame and talent, I think um, they have some technical shortcomings to work out, does Eddie Reynoso and Garcia. I agree. So uh, as we move forward, we'll go into maybe the least interesting fight of the evening, the main event, Canelo versus Rocky Fielding. And and really what this came down to is this was just a coming out party for Canelo, his first appearance in Madison Square Garden. He packed the joint, but I mean, against uh, nothing opposition, but can you really knock him? He just came off two hard fights against Triple G. Don't you deserve a break? (laughs) Well, maybe, but it's it's kind of hard to swallow when what constitutes a quote-unquote break, as you put it, is also supposedly a world title fight um, and, and the main event of a, of a major card at Madison Square Garden. I mean, this was a mismatch. Let's, yeah. let's be brutally honest. I mean, I'd never heard of Rocky Fielding uh, before this fight was announced. I had no idea that he held a... Uh, a super middleweight title belt. I mean, I don't even, these days I don't pay any attention to who has title belts. There's so many of them. Uh, There's, yeah, whatever that means. There's regular title belts, super title belts, junior title belts, youth title belts, silver, gold, et cetera. And, And we've got how many sanctioning bodies and how many weight divisions. I mean, you need, you need a supercharged computer to keep track of all this. You know, I mean, it's, it's nonsense. It's, yeah. So uh, this fight, this fight, uh, it, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because Canelo Alvarez, there's no questioning his talent. There's no questioning his ability. I mean, you look back at that second fight with Gennady Golovkin. That is one of the great prize fights of the last several years, without a doubt. I mean, those are two top-level performers, and Alvarez hung in with Golovkin, who's such a dangerous guy, and it was a close 12-round battle. I personally thought Golovkin edged it, but the point is Alvarez is that good a talent. He can go 12 tough rounds. He can take all those hard shots. Why does he have to fight a guy like Rocky Fielding? I mean, this is, you know... Again, it'd be easier to take if it weren't for supposedly a... I mean, this makes, officially, Canelo Alvarez a triple crown champion. Now, give me a break. I mean, but, but you know, this, this fits in with a history of career choices that are hard to take from Canelo Alvarez. You know, whether it's his, his playing games with... Uh, 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 weight limits and catch weight, you know, or or his his you know his recent propensity for you know being very strategic about the opponents he faces and all that crap about how he wasn't yet a full fledged middleweight and that's I mean let's face it he ducked Golovkin for two years he ducked him so you know I mean let's not forget that 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 should count against him. And so 
Is he a major attraction? Obviously. Is he an exceptional talent? Yes. But there's certain things about his career and his career choices and, and so on that uh, run some of us the wrong way. And I don't have as much respect for him as I otherwise would if, if, uh, if he stopped playing these kinds of games. I mean, Rocky Fielding is a, is a world champion, and this win represents something significant? I don't think so. What, the only thing it showed to me was conclusive proof that Canelo Alvarez, I mean, I don't know what weight class he should really be at. He looked fantastic. He, he, I mean, physically, he looked fantastic. I, I, I don't know what exactly he came in the ring at, whether he was around, I, I, I suspect. Yeah, yeah the weigh-in, 168, but, but essentially he came in the ring as a light heavyweight probably. He, you know, stands to reason he would put, put on a few pounds in between the weigh-in and the fight. And he looked fantastic. He didn't look to have any excess flab on him at all. And um, and he's been playing all these games, moving from 154 to 160 to one now 168. I mean, I, I, don't, I have no idea what weight class he should be at. I bet he doesn't even know well, exactly what weight class state, he should be at. Yeah, he did state um, after he's the saying he's gonna go back. by Dan Raphael of ESPN that uh, he has no issues making his way back down to 160 for some of the biggest unification fights and some of the easiest unification fights that can be made. Keep in mind, all three middleweight champions, Canelo, Demetrius Andrade, and Danny Jacobs, are all zone fighters. Uh, making those unifications on paper shouldn't be all that difficult. Now Golden Boy Promotions has had their taste of zone. It doesn't seem like they're going to have a hard time doing business with Matchroom. Uh, apparently they've almost already made the Danny Jacobs versus Canelo Alvarez fight before the rematch between Canelo and Golovkin was made. So it seems like they might be able to pick up from where they left off. That is the fight that is most likely going to be next. That's the fight that Eddie Hearn is confident he can make happen. Uh, I, I don't see any pushback from Golden Boy, uh, at least on the surface right now. Uh, but what would be heartbreaking is to see Canelo Alvarez fight um even a david lemieux or or some arbitrary uh, obscure fighter at 168 he needs to make the best fights at 160 right now he needs to fight danny jacobs uh at the cinco on cinco de mayo wherever they may choose to fight because that's exactly what boxing needs out of canelo i mean as you mentioned he's one of the best talents in the sport we like to see the best talents fight to the level of of um of a Danny Jacobs, of another top talent in boxing. And I think the the real interesting question is, where is Oscar going to take him next? This was Canelo's first outing in Madison Square Garden. He's, uh, he's done amazing business in Texas. He's obviously done a great job in Las Vegas. Um, Oscar De La Hoya is talking about taking Canelo to Mexico City in the Azteca Stadium. Uh, I, I can't think of another big fight since... Chavez and Haugen set record attendances, uh, packing 132,000 asses in seats. Um, wh- what do you make of the prospect of Canelo filling up a soccer stadium in Mexico City? Do you think he can do it? Oh, probably. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a, it's a logical next step in, in terms of sort of manufacturing a huge international sports star, which is what 
Canelo Alvarez is becoming um, a huge cash cow. Um, so that would that's that's a very smart com- career move. However, if I'm Danny Jacobs, you're gonna pay have to pay me an awful lot of money uh, before I go to that particular location uh, to fight Canelo Alvarez. So, you know, I'm not sure, you know, there'll be some interesting negotiations involved because fighting a, a Mexican fighter in, in Mexico city is a daunting prospect at the worst of times and, or the best of times I should say, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, who are you, who are you going to get to take that fight and, and journey down to Mexico City? And uh, that's 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 an interesting question. Uh, the thing is, you know what? Danny Jacobs versus Canelo Alvarez, that's a great matchup. I got no problems with that. But what bothers me a little bit is no one, maybe it's, that's a slight exaggeration to say no one, but very few people at this point are talking very much about Golovkin versus Canelo 3. And that, for me, right now, is the fight that I want to see next. And 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 I'm kind of surprised that more people aren't, aren't saying that. I mean, the first fight was very good. The second fight was excellent. The second fight was amazing. Why wouldn't we want to see a third fight now while Golovkin still would appear to have some of his, uh, you know, prime abilities left. He's not yet over the hill. Um, and neither fight was satisfying in terms of the official uh, conclusion. Um, that's that's the match I want to see. And I'm just surprised that the sport of boxing en masse is not saying, hey, uh, Golovkin deserves another crack at, at, at Canelo here. And... Um, and that was a that's a that's a fight we want to see again. That was a thrilling, exciting battle. That second fight. That's one of the great fights of 2018, and two fantastic performances. And um, you know, I'm I would like to see more of a buzz, more of a push uh, from people to to see. I know that the sticking point is Golovkin has to make up his mind yes, and decide is. who he's going to sign with. And I guess. In order to get third, he's got to sign with the zone. So he's got to give in and sign with the zone to get a third fight with Canelo. Well, if it's up to me, if he, if he were to call me up and say, what should I do? Golovkin, just do it. I want to see that fight. I want to see you and Canelo rumble again because that's that. this should be a rivalry so as, uh, that makes boxing history. Not too long ago, Golovkin has met with... Uh, individual promoters from DAZN, ESPN, Top Rank, as well as, uh, what am I missing here, as well as PBC, uh, Al Heyman, Showtime. And really, with the exception of Top Rank, uh, well, obviously we've already listed why DAZN would be a great option for him, but if he signs with Heyman and PBC, he can look forward to a big fight against Jamal Charlo. Unfortunately, after Charlo, the ball kind of stops there. There aren't really other huge middleweight stars who fight for Heyman and PBC right now uh, that could really benefit Golovkin's career going down uh, into into the twilight of his career. I think he should definitely fight on DAZN. I, I think a logical path forward for him, if he 
if, if he's really concerned about uh about recovering from the Canelo fight and 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 proving to the world that he still has um well okay personally I would like to see him fight Billy Joe Saunders I, I want to see what he has left maybe in his best in his best interest he'd rather go straight for the money and fight Canelo but I, I'd want to see him fight Billy Joe Saunders given the fact that Saunders is inactive he might not be as much of a risk but he is a wild card he might not be as much of a risk as he would have been uh let's say a year year two ago uh, but I, I want to see where he stands right now, given the fact that he is getting older and, um, you know, he is coming off a bruising fight against Canelo. And then hopefully, for the sake of unifying the division, I'd like to see him fight Demetrius Andrade. Um, of course, this is probably not at all what Tom Loeffler of K2 Promotions would want for his fighter, Triple G. But, however, that would be the shortest path towards unifying the division because by the time Triple G and Andrade fight, the winner would fight the winner of Canelo Jacobs if it takes place, and we'd finally have one middleweight champion. And Triple G, over the years, has stated his dream is to unify all the titles at middleweight. Despite all the opportunities, he had to move up to 168, um, fight guys like uh, James DeGale, fight guys like Gilberto Zerto Ramirez. He chose to stay at 160 and try to unify the division. Unfortunately, the IBF took away that opportunity when they gave his title to Sergei Derevyanchenko, um, and um, and and uh, a decision went against him with Canelo that many people thought he won. But that is my uh, dream path forward for the middleweight division. I'm not sure um, if you would personally rather see him fight Canelo first. I totally understand that sentiment. However, I think there are other great fights to be made and. I think the Canelo fight will be there down the road. Well, we'll see what happens, Alden. Uh, my, it seems very clear to me though that that Golovkin is on the downward slide. He's not, he's not the destroyer that he was two, three years ago. And uh, how many big fights does he have left? Um, off the top of my head, I can't recall exactly how old he is now. But I think he's what 36, 37. Um, uh, you know, I think the clock is ticking. I don't want to see. I, and 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 personally, like unify the middleweight title, unify all the belt. Who cares? I mean, we know who the best middleweights in the division right now are. I mean, there there's a. Well, I mean, he, yeah, but let's face it. I mean, there's a school of thought that I don't buy at all that says that Danny Jacobs actually deserved to win against Golovkin. That's, oh, I'm sorry, that's BS. Oh, it was a very competitive fight. I, I thought you meant uh, it was a, Canelo since Jacobs lost the fight against Triple G. Yeah, but so, there are some people who feel that, that Jacobs got robbed. Um, and I'm just saying that, that that's BS. So putting so the the bottom line is uh, when Golovkin and Canelo fought both times, those were matches between the two best middleweights in the world. And the first fight, I thought it was fairly clear that Golovkin deserved the win. The second fight was very close. That fight should have been a draw, in my opinion. But but. Uh, if I have to pick a winner of the second fight, I thought Golovkin edged it. So bottom line, 
two highly competitive, exciting fights. And again, that second fight for me, you know, you don't see fights like that every, every, very often. I mean, at the skill level involved and the pace and the intensity and the action, that was a fantastic fight. And I want to see them do it again. So I feel like I got my priorities straight, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, this is, this is about boxing is about the best fights possible. Uh, the best competition possible, uh, the most entertaining fights possible. And in the middleweight division for me right now, yeah, you can make a case for Charlo versus Golovkin. What a war that would be. But, but still, I, the fight I want to see is Golovkin Canelo versus Canelo would get three. Golovkin I want to see that. bargain rate this time. I think there would be no doubt about who's the A-side. And although there wasn't uh, a question about Canelo being the A-side before, he did have to make significant concessions to Golovkin in terms of um, percent of the purse, uh, et cetera. Um, but I, I, I could see Canelo getting 70% of the purse against Golovkin in a third fight. And I'm not sure how well the third fight would do, but we know it would do pretty well. We know that because these are still the two biggest names at middleweight. And these are still two guys that have given you a great product in the first and second times that they squared off against one another. So we know that many fans, uh, you know, would have all the evidence they need that their money would be well spent in terms of getting a good fight. And also in terms of fights that uh, are trilogies, some trilogies do get better with age. The, the one that comes to mind, although this one had a fourth fight, but the first three fights of Rafael Marquez and Israel Vasquez, they just got better and better as time went on. And I think some fighter styles mesh against each other in such a way that they become more bold with each fight. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine Canelo taking the fight to Triple G, but then sure enough, after he was able to take his best shots on the back foot in the first fight, here he is in the second fight backing Triple G up for almost the whole fight. I mean, who, whoever expected that? When has Triple G ever been uh, consistently on the back foot for uh, the entirety of a fight? I mean, maybe David Lemieux had him boxing cautiously at times, but you know, these two guys, when they, when they square off against one another, they expose different layers of each other against one another. And I, I think the third fight would exhibit some things that we haven't seen uh, between these fighters, not only in their two previous fights, but maybe in their whole careers. Um, that That's just my take on that. And, uh, you know. I agree. I agree. And and you're getting, you know, just listening to you talk about it is getting me excited because I think I agree that they brought out the best in each other. I mean, that second fight was in my, was, I don't think I'm overstating anything. That, that second fight was remarkable and, and they brought out the best in each other. And there's no reason to think that a third fight wouldn't be just as exciting, just as action packed. Um, and, 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 you know, I think both of them have a chip on their shoulder when it comes to the other guy. There, there's a sincere uh, enmity, enmity there. There's, there's a sincere there's – there's some, there's some resentment uh, between the two of them. And in the ring, it comes out. They, 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 they want to own the other guy. Both of them both of them got a Jones on for, for, for trying to, you know, knock the other guy's head off. And uh, I, I think – it's, it's the obvious fight that should be made. And let's not forget, it seems to me, again, that a lot of boxing people are forgetting this. Both fights set records. 
in terms of of uh, of gates and and pay-per-view sales, they were both phenomenal successes financially. So there's every reason to to have a third fight, and I don't understand why there isn't more um, buzz and anticipation and excitement for for people stepping up and getting that done because we don't want to wait too long. Uh, Golovkin, as I say, he's not getting, nobody's getting any younger, but Golovkin's definitely on the downside. And uh, so for me, this would be a top priority for boxing in 2019. This is definitely near the top of, very top of my wish list. Uh, Golovkin versus Canelo 3 in this coming year. We all know that Floyd Mayweather still will likely carry those records. you know, maybe for the entirety of the sport, hopefully not, but possibly, but definitely these are the two biggest, these are the two biggest attractions. Uh, these yeah, these fighters right. put up the biggest numbers um, since Floyd Mayweather's departure from the sport. Although Anthony Joshua is a pretty big attraction. He did over a million pay-per-view buys in his fight with Vladimir Klitschko. And uh, I know we're getting a little off topic, but all of a sudden it seems like Wilder Joshua might be on the horizon. Uh, from recent reportings from Anthony Joshua, who was also at ringside in DAZN's Madison Square Garden featured event this weekend. Um, We're going to have to close out this week of the show or or my discussion with Michael Carbert for now. Stay tuned for a brief uh, heads up of some of the biggest events coming to boxing in the near future. Expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions from the challenger? Any questions from the challenger? So this coming weekend, we have quite a slew of exciting matchups with the Charlo brothers heading a PBC card on Showtime at the Barclays Center. And in my opinion, the most interesting fight of the week as Carl Frampton attempts to regain the featherweight title that he lost to Leo Santa Cruz last year when he takes on IBF featherweight champion Josh Warrington in the Manchester Arena. Josh Warrington won the IBF title in a surprise upset earlier this year against Lee Selby, out hustling the champion and busting him up to win a split decision that I really should Uh, that I really thought should have been unanimous. Uh, Warrington is a bit of a buzzsaw in his volume-punching style, but whether or not he can get off the same way he did against Selby is very questionable, in my opinion, given Frampton's superb ring presence, ring generalship, and boxing skill. I hope Warrington makes the fight interesting. I always do. But I think Frampton should regain the title with a clear-cut decision in this fight for a more in-depth preview of the fight, however, I would highly encourage you all to check out the FightCity.com's brilliant analysis article written by Ronnie McCluskey. Check it out. Expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions from the challenger? And that's all for this week, Fight Fans. We will be off for the holidays, but tune in early next year for the Fight City's year-end awards. We're going to be giving out awards for awards such as Fighter of the Year, Fight of the Year, Comeback of the Year, Round of the Year, Knockout of the Year. Overall, I've really enjoyed everyone's support in 2018. I hope everyone has a great holiday season. Tune in to some of the biggest fights that we just discussed, the Charlo Brothers, 
uh, Carl Frampton and Josh Warrington should be a great way to end the year. And it's all going to lead into a great 2019, we all should hope. So tune into the Fight City podcast for this would be episode 10 early next year for the year-end awards. Loved having you guys.